Blog Talk Radio. Uh oh, guess what day it is? Julie. Huh? Julie. Huh? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. Huh? What day is it, Mike? Huh? Woo-hoo! Listen, guess what today is? Listen, guess what today is? It's hump day. Hump day! It's hump day. Hump day! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files, the Wednesday edition. It's hump the middle of the week. It is the hump of the week. And it is the last show of 2021. So next year, you and I will be talk, we'll be talking next year on the Donaldson Files. But for this year, this is the last show. We got Dr. Larry, Wilf O'Reilly's going to join us, maybe some other interesting guests. We got the Resistance Hour with Kevin Ween, a writer, author, and like Dr. Larry, a man who's got so many uh, things going on that his resume is like War and Peace, which, is, by the way, is exactly the way I describe Dr. Larry. His resume <laughs> is War and Peace. There's so many things. <laughs> That you have done in your life, it's like, you know, if I was to say, so Larry, why don't you just briefly tell everybody in about 10 minutes or less (laughs) what you've done. (laughs) Well, I started out as a high school teacher, and then I went and got a doctorate, and then I became a professor, and then I became a dean, and then I started a college, and then I went straight. And I uh, yeah. went and became an uh, uh, international uh, representative of uh, a uh, big computer company, and then I started my own business and and uh, did that for a long time, and... and uh, in the meantime, then I got in. I retired and decided to get into radio. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, uh, and and I did that via via writing my columns for the Washington Times, and so that's that's less than ten minutes, and and uh, leaves a lot out, but that's probably a good thing. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway. Uh, Got a doctorate, did a lot of things, traveled a lot, saw a lot, decided to come home, and here I am. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, you're Hi, retired, Dad. what do yeah. you do? And I said, well, I'm pretty busy. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you know, I'm got a horse Got a horse farm here, too. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, you got the horse farm, too. So, yeah. Well, what we, I am the chairman of America's PAC, a leading political organization. I'm also the project director for America's Majority Foundation. I'm the author of eight books, none yet bestsellers, a new one coming out at America at the Abyss, which will be hopefully in the next 30 days. Now, they're not all yet bestsellers, but they all should be because they're that good. 
They're the greatest. Well, I'm sure they are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I forgot. I got a couple books out there too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, here, yeah. Well, uh, go ahead and tell very briefly uh, the books you have before we get into the show. Well, uh, one of them is a a, um, uh, social ethics. Uh, a, a discussion of uh, H. Richard Niebuhr, who was, uh, in my estimation, one of the one of the brightest uh, people to be talking about uh, social ethics, and and uh, and also really that blended in very much into the origins of social psychology as well uh through uh, George Herbert Mead and and the University of Chicago and so on a lot of that had to do with uh was written because of my to get my doctorate and then uh, the second the second one I've got out is uh is uh it's, it's a memoir of my personal voyage from uh, in my early years and how did I end up uh getting into uh Getting into getting, going through a very uh, interesting and somewhat uh, misguided uh, flirtation with the Catholic priesthood, and then how I went from that to be uh, become a happily married man. Plus, I had a lot of adventures in the meantime. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's. What's in there? That one's still there. That's still on Amazon, I think. Um, well, okay. Well, the title in, of that book again is "Inside the uh, Early Years" by uh, Lawrence J. Fedewa. Okay, inside the early years. Okay. Now, I know you're also working on something uh, uh, dealing with horses, correct? You've been kind of yeah, working I've, on that for a while. Well, that's right. I've got. I, I've done a lot of. Uh, uh articles on or stories on uh about horseback horses horses and horseback riding and uh, in fact i've got a book that's ready to go out on that it's been pre-published on my website under uh the title of suburban cowboy and um so yeah i did a lot of uh a lot of horseback, uh, a lot of horse training, and I ran a boys' camp uh, training program in college, and then I took about a 25-year uh, hiatus and got back into it because my daughter told me to, and uh, and then uh, hmm. for, I for, forgot how much of what fun it was, and so I decided to pick it up again. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, here's what we're going to do here tonight, and as I stated, you know, we're going to review some of the big events of 2021. And, uh, again, you know, so we're going to have, like I say, Wolf O'Reilly will be coming on, and, and who knows who else will be joining us. As a, again, I know George Landreth if he's on the road somewhere with his family, but he stated if he could, he would. So we'll see what happens. Uh, so... And so, but we'll start with you, Dr. Larry. Uh, big event of 2021. If you sat back and said, "What was the biggest? What's the big event that you could, you know, you want to first talk about and look at?" 
Well, I think the most important uh, event of 2021 was in January last year on the inauguration of Joseph Biden as the President of the United States. And uh, that has turned out to be in 11, 11 months of his stewardship, he has uh, changed America significantly. Um, and so some of the highlights would be uh, that he, the first day he was in office, he started crippling the uh, the U.S. energy industry by uh, canceling the uh, the fir- first the the pipeline and the uh, and the uh, Anwar uh, uh, in Alaska the Anwar uh, 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 you call I guess you call it the the, the field um, and then. Uh, that had uh, then plus uh, the, he did several other things that essentially uh, crippled the industry and turned us from uh, in the energy independent to energy uh, uh, basically uh, having to plead with Russia and the uh, Arabs to uh, up their their uh, oil production so we could buy some more which uh, got us back into the Middle East in a way we didn't we had gotten out of and and lord knows what that's going to lead to and of course then mm-hmm. there there that that was uh led to the inflation uh that we're now seeing at at uh, the gas pump which is very unpopular and then we had um the uh the national security implications of that are very significant because uh, we are now in a position where the Russians are uh, threatening to uh, get back into uh, Ukraine, and um, and we uh, we uh, have because we allowed or because Biden uh, allowed the. Uh, the Germans to go ahead with their uh, Russian pipeline. Uh, we now they we we have lost the major uh, peaceful uh, leverage that we had, and that in turn might very well lead to war. Particularly if the uh, Chinese decide to pick up pick pick this time to uh, press their case in uh, Taiwan. So. There are a lot of implications to that. Then, of course, there was the Afghanistan uh, debacle, which uh, really tarnished our international reputation, killed several several Americans, and uh, left uh, thousands, hundreds at least, uh, stranded. Um, then uh, the the other thing, of course, was the open. He opened the border, the uh, the um, southern border. And we now have millions, literally millions of people coming in who are challenging our, on several points, um, they're challenging the, uh, because there are criminals and uh, spies and uh, and uh, various nefarious people that are coming in uh, without having to uh, uh, make any kind of a uh, declaration of their uh, identity. Uh, then also the uh, cartels, the Mexican cartels, have actually taken over much of the border uh, administration 
and used it for uh, uh, drug and uh, and human trafficking, uh, which in turn is uh, is spreading a, a plague of uh, uh, drug drug induced deaths as well as uh, uh, all sorts of other problems uh, in throughout the United States beyond the borders. So we got that little problem, and uh, then of course the economy has kind of uh, gotten pretty shaky. But that's not altogether that Biden's doing. That's partly a, a, a kind of a, what I would consider a, a rogue federal uh, uh, Fed because of their cheap money and they keep spending it all and 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 uh, then buying up the uh, the bonds that are that are uh, being backed by the currency and so we got too much money floating around for too little uh, too little supply so that's going to be uh something that keeps on going yeah hold on the second the second thing in go ahead yeah hold on i thought yeah, hold on i thought because of this Tom Dawson Dawson files uh, we'll be right back here with Dr. Larry. Hopefully, uh, Will Riley will be joining us very shortly. And who knows who, who else will be joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Donaldson File. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent? One in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? One in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism? One in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, at this portion of our show, this segment is brought to you by and sponsored Napa Know How. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa Know How, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa Know How. Napa Know How. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Donaldson Files with Dr. Larry. We're still waiting for others to join us on the great events of 2021. And Dr. Larry just basically described the impact of the Biden election. Uh, uh, the Biden election. And uh, I guess uh, you did not mentioned too many good things about the election. <laughs> no, I didn't. And I'm really concerned about that. But I think that there is another second second issue that uh is a little bit less uh a little bit less uh immediately da- damning, but I think is 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 also extremely important. And that is at the, at about the same time that the 
um, inauguration was going on, we had a strike by the uh, American uh, Federation of Teachers, and um, that, in fact, uh, it seems to me, was, first of all, an amazingly precocious thing to do because they want they were they were striking because they didn't want to go to work but they wanted to get paid and um, that of course was related to this whole pandemic issue but I think one thing it did is perhaps uh, revealed a lot of and a lot of the uh, things that were going on in schools that were not really understood or known by the parents. And it may very well have uh, a good effect of uh, uh, promoting uh, school choice, which I think is getting more and more popular because uh, people have less and less uh, confidence in the uh, integrity and, and the actual Americanism, if you will, of the uh, of the of the teaching profession, so that's uh, possibly a, a good thing to come out of a bad thing. But uh, the the suffering of the children, in terms of not only not uh, having uh, strong uh, academic experiences uh, in schools, uh, but also in terms of the uh, reliance on social. Uh, messaging, which in turn has had a lot of bad effect on depression and uh, suicide and all sorts of and drug problems. It's 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 really really tragic. So those are the first the, the two things I think of when I think of the most yeah. uh, significant things in twenty 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 one. I like to say, as soon as we can get Will in the air, you know, hopefully, like I said, I know he he's, he had a meeting to go. He had a business, you know, he had a meeting at the school, at the university. Uh, so as soon as he, like to say, gets done with that, you know, he said he'll be trying to get in to talk to us. And I would love to, like I say, get more in his views on the education side of the equation. But I do think that's an absolute correct assumption. But, you know, the interesting thing about it is, you know, somebody, I think it was, uh, you know, we had this discussion on the resistance hour at and I can ask, remember the gentleman's name, the the year ophthalmologist, uh, doctor. Uh, uh, the, the the what? Uh, oh, the, the chairman of the. Uh, the yeah, the chairman. Yeah, he's chairman of the uh, Prince William County School Board. Yeah, uh, yeah. Doctor Lafitte. Yeah, Doctor Lafitte. Well, the thing I mean, the thing is, you know, we kind of discuss. You know, people actually got to look at what was actually being taught to children. I think that was part. You know, you know, you you, you did have that come in to the play. That yeah, well, the parents finally by the because they had to tutor the children, and yeah. in, in essence, they found out what they were being taught, and it scared the heck out of them. I think the and, and I tell you what the Virginia election to me was one of those elections where this became a major issue because basically you know parents not only you know whether it's critical race theory or others or even let's say the way they were handling certain things in schools uh, an example the young man who raped a woman uh, raped a teenage you know raped a fellow student in the bathroom under the guise of you know he basically went into the girls bathroom because 
he declared that day he was a, a female. He got to rape somebody, and that they hit this. And it's in, you know, and then you go to this critical race theory and everything else that was being taught. Uh, I think people got to look at what was actually being taught. And I think it became kind of, and I think what was to me is striking. You you mentioned the teachers union, but to me what really struck me was the attitude of not just the teachers union, but you actually had a governor saying, you know, parents don't have a right. Be involved in the education. It was almost in a way, children belong to the state. That's the message that, if anything comes through, that's that message. And God, most recently, uh, the lady who put together the 1619 project, Hannah Jones, I cannot. Uh, Hannah Jones. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean, but I I can't think of it either. Last name, but but she basically said the same thing. I mean, she basically came out and said, uh, "Yeah, parents have no, you know, not no dealings with uh with dealing with the curriculum." And the real message behind that to me is, children belong to the state, and we do have on the line Dr. Will Riley. Dr. Riley, welcome to the show. Uh, good to be back on the show, Tom. How are you? Not too bad. We're having a yeah, we're having a pretty good discussion. I mean, uh, Dr. Larry's first the first big event that he said of noteworthy was the actual inauguration of Joe Biden and the impact that he's had, and then the uh, parents' revolution in Virginia, and where and the teachers' unions, and 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 the point I'm making is that you know, when you look at that Virginia election, you look at and I can't, you know, Hannah Jones, I cannot think of her last name. The lady was the 1619 Project. Yeah, Nicole Hannah Jones. Yeah, Nicole Hannah Jones, yeah. And and basically the message I got, and, you know, and one of the things that came out in 2021 is that you have a major political party, you have teachers' unions, they're basically saying in effect, children, this is how I interpret it, children belong to the state. You know, parents have no right when it comes to whether how their kids are educated. That's the responsibility of the state. The state will determine what they learn. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I, I think this is something – there's a lot that goes into that. First, this is an old Marxist idea to some extent, that in order to really convey kind of the message of the u- new utopian society or government, you need to get through everything that stands in the way. So that, that can include the church, that can include the business sector, but at seventh and last, that can also include the family. And I think right now that's gotten not, – not only is that idea very prevalent in politics, especially politics on the left, you also see something that helps it out, which is the whole idea of kind of the cult of the professional. So what, Nick, what uh, NHJ is saying is that the average parent, a local lawyer or something like that, doesn't know enough about the unique specialized occupation of school teaching to tell a teacher kind of how to do their job or anyone else you might have in the schools, a diversity consultant or, you know, someone who calls himself a psychotherapist but has a bachelor's degree. Um, My own opinion on that is that that's just complete BS. 
I think that most people have a basic background in teaching or coaching. Most people have run meetings and the like. And that what's being criticized isn't really, you know, the pedagogical techniques that are being used by the teachers. It's what's being communicated. It's the actual information about history and law and the other social studies and the other things that parents actually do know quite a lot about. I mean, I'm a college professor in one of these fields. But that, that's the debate there. Well, that's a good point. Uh, that's a good point. Now, Dr. Larry, you've been an educator. You tell me, uh, you know, what do you, you know, uh, how do you follow up with some of the things uh, Dr. Riley said? I, I agree. I think the, <clears throat> I think the issue is the, uh, the main issue anyway, is the content. Um, it's it, it, but it's also this attitude of, um, you know, we're we're so important that we should be, we should be. Uh, we should get our salary whether we're teaching or not, and uh, and it's none of your business, uh, uh, parents, uh, what we're what we're teaching or how much we're getting or anything to do with it. It's uh, it's strictly between us and and the school board, and since we're the we're the union, uh, we we control that pretty much, and and I think with just this attitude of absolute arrogance that really is going to have a positive effect on the advocacy for um for school choice which i think the time the time may come maybe it's time has finally come that uh, people are going to start uh, uh uh encouraging that that uh, approach to uh education uh in in a much more popular way yeah, hold on that thought. This time, Dr. Donaldson Piles uh, here at the Bachelor News Radio Network. Dr. Roe Riley has joined us. Dr. Uh, Larry Fiedewey is on. We're going to talk about 2021. And, and when we come back here, I'm going to have Dr. Riley say what big event that he looks at 2021 of importance uh, here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old for flu. The media is exaggerated. I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. You might know me, I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in the six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedinamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Donaldson Files. You can listen to this show again every day um, on the bachelornews.airtime.pro, the bachelornews.airtime.pro uh, at 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And listen to this show, and you can listen to the, some of the great shows of this show, including tonight's show, which is you know, reviewing 2021. And next week we're going to be talking about 2022. So you'll want to tune in for that. We'll be we're working on guests for that as well. Okay, Dr. Riley, what 
event, is there a event out there that you look at and say, boy, this was big? Well, yeah, I think there were a bunch of events that really will, you know, go down in the history books for 2021. Um, You had really the riots on all sides, you know, the left-wing riots proceeding into the start of this year. Then you had the January 6th riot. So you had a a little bit of political violence starting off the year. You had a a triumph. I think this has been minimized by, you know, later in effectiveness and bipartisan rejection. But you had the COVID vaccines. The pandemic, to some extent, uh, at least slowing down, although we see new variants. And you had the things that have gone on socially. I mean, you have what you call the parents' revolution. Earlier today, the backlash to some of the critical theory that's really dominated education for the past eight or ten years. I think that's something very significant that's going to get a lot of credit over, you know, the next few years and probably beyond. And a couple other things, I mean, the gender moment, but the, those three, uh, the pandemic, the political clashing, and the, the ordinary citizens standing up kind of stand out for me about the year. Yeah. Well, you know, I, let's see, you know, uh, that's a, you know, again, these are some very interesting, uh, you know, points that you make here. And I think, quite frankly, uh, the way I'm going to, I'm going to kind of follow up on the pandemic side of the equation because I think this, yeah. By the way, I have my book coming out, uh, "America at the Abyss," sometime in January. Uh, it should be out. It'll be available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Liberty Hill Press, which is a, which is associated with Salem Media Corporation. It's just uh, so it gives me a chance now to to sell the book. But you know, I. You know, yesterday, I mean, yesterday, last week I saw some crazy, I mean, some things where you look at it and just shake your head and say, well, you know, we've been saying that for like 18 months, uh, where you have the, well, maybe we shouldn't be keeping people quarantined for 10 days. Let's just make it five days so people can get back to work. Uh, yesterday I saw, got a, there's one lady who used to be the head of Planned Parenthood who CNN brings in as one of their COVID experts. Coming out and saying, "Yeah, cloth masks are like placebos." Oh yeah. And I'm, and I'm saying to myself, "Yeah, we've been saying that for like eight months, and then finally, you know, eighteen months, and then Joe Biden comes out and says, "Well, oh, maybe the, you know, us federal government people don't have all the answers to, uh, uh, to COVID." You know, after basically <laughs> getting elected on the idea that he was going to shut the virus down, but I think you know. I just think it's fascinating that we're seeing, in my view, an implosion of that intellectual class, the professional classes you brought up. And I think that's a big story that's going to start evolving into 2022 and beyond, where people are looking at the so-called experts and coming to the conclusion that maybe they don't have the ans- all the answers, much less any answers. And if anybody looked at the pandemic and sit back and look at our scientific class and say, boy, did they perform beautifully. You know, you're going to sit back and say, no, they didn't just perform badly. They went out of their way to make sure that theirs was the only way. I mean, when you go as far as what Fauci and Collins did to the Great Barrington Declaration, which they basically attacked behind the scenes, other fellow scientists. You know, it was like we're going to engage yourself in a debate on the science. 
It's like we're going to destroy your reputation. Uh, That, to me, is a big story because it tells something of the collapse of scientific endeavors, which is going to have an impact beyond that because if your scientific class is corrupted, where, you know, this is part of that innovation that made America great is crippled. Your thoughts. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Dr. Riley, then I'll come back to you, Dr. Larry. Yeah, I mean, I, I think trust in experts has definitely taken kind of a beating uh, during the COVID pandemic. And I mean, that that really started out at the very beginning. I don't, I don't know if the gentleman on the panel remember uh, Neil Ferguson and the initial predictions that kind of shut down the world. But I mean, it, this guy was the greatest destroyer of human wealth since Genghis Khan. I mean, he just... I, I don't want to say something like made things up, but as a quantitative methodologist myself, he uh, used some unusual estimates, like fatality rate for the virus between 1% and 2%, everyone getting infected with what's called alpha, I mean, the slowest spreading of the strains we've seen so far, which I think a virologist would have assumed um, generally faster spreading strains like Omicron tend to be less lethal, blah, blah, blah. But at any rate, I mean, his initial projection was that 2 million people could die in the USA by January of 2020. And that's really what led to lockdowns and so on. And it became apparent pretty early on to a lot of people uh, like John Ioannidis over at Stanford, uh, Dr. Marty Makari, so on, that a lot of the basic calculations that were, that were being used for this fear-mongering were wrong. So, like, our estimate of disease fatality was coming from the very sick people who everyone was sort of allowing in first, the first wave of COVID tests, and to get the first treatments. Um, Without wonking out too much about this, the actual IFR for COVID-19, as it's called, turned out to be about 0.26%. So this, this has been going on throughout the pandemic, and I think what you're seeing now really is kind of CNN and MSNBC saying what center right engineers and local doctors and data guys have been saying for maybe a year and a half by now. I mean, so like Leanna Wynn, yeah, that was, um, that was a comment that was quoted a lot on social media for those of you guys that are on Twitter and Facebook, you know, cloth masks are just a placebo. Those should never have been taken seriously. Going back to alpha was the quote. Um, this is all part of the same thing to some extent. I, I don't know whether growing distrust of experts is a good thing because that often leads to trust in idiots and you get everything from the true radical left to the IDW. But I will say between critical race theory, what happened during the pandemic, all these challenges going on in the universities, you're, you're definitely seeing that. You're seeing people not know who to trust. So I, I don't know what to add there other than, yes, that's happening. Hey, Dr. Larry, go ahead. Well, you, you see some of the same, the same phenomenon <clears throat> That's happening uh, with sports figures and, and actors and and people in other other uh, uh, areas of the public eye, you know they're they they're not nearly as influential maybe as uh, as as a generation ago, uh, particularly when you see <coughs> excuse me when you see the um, the way that the, uh, the National Basketball Association, for example, was. Uh, kowtowing to uh, China and and uh, you know some of the some of the authority figures, <coughs> uh, so-called thought leaders in, uh, in 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 our society, 
uh, are sort of universally getting uh, discredited, including uh, Congress and and uh, and all the politicians. It's it's um, it's, it's it, there's a lot of sort of underlying chaos that's that's kind of infecting, I think, a lot of the the younger generation, and they don't know really who to trust, and and they're they're still pretty vulnerable as far as uh, their inclination to find somebody to trust. I know we have, and you're and I'm sure in your classes you're finding uh, a, a lot of this that. I used to find when I was teaching, but uh, I now have a, a small sample of my uh, my staff at the uh, that takes care of my barns, and uh, you know we're finding uh, kids that in they're mostly middle class kids, uh, but their parents are divorced and they're uh, sort of have, having to take sides. They're these are 19, 20, 21 year old uh, kids, and um, they're, they're they're sort of wandering, and um, it, uh, so I, I, I'm picking up your your uh, your your uh, premise, I think, and, and extending it to uh, a lot of authority figures in in in, uh, in society. I don't know the answer, but it seems to me that we've got a lot of sort of wandering, uh, rootless children that are coming on. What do you think? Yeah, what do you think, Will? Yeah, well, I, I think it's sort of there's an ongoing kind of collapse of trust in the country, definitely. Um, I, I don't really know whether some authority figures are less trustworthy than they used to be. So, I mean, you, you could argue, for example, that, you know, religious divines were never really talking to God or something like that. But things like social media have definitely produced mass skepticism across the board. I also think we've seen, we've also just seen experts perform very badly. I mean, one of the things I'm kind of interested in is whether there's been a lowering in the quality of experts in the USA from, say, kind of the NASA spaceflight era. And you would sort of assume between legacy programs for rich kids, affirmative action, bluntly, so on down the line, that there would have to have been. Uh, we've dumbed down the SAT two or three times. And I, I think to some extent people kind of see that reflected, where the COVID predictions are just wrong. So you, you have that lack of trust. You have a growing divorce rate, so on down the line. And I, I think that leads to distrust in institutions that are probably as trustworthy as they always have been, like the church. But I guess where I'm going with this is you also have failure on the part of institutions. Yeah. You know, swine flu is terrible, yeah. but even in that primitive era, the government's estimates were pretty much correct. They said a lot of people would die, and that happened. I mean, here we have the government openly making wrong estimates. So it's hard to keep taking them seriously. Last line for me but, I mean, if, if the good Dr. Fauci says, wear a mask, and then he says, don't wear a mask, and then Leanna Wynn, who works closely with him, says, we never went, meant wear a mask, people are going to start looking at this and saying, you guys are just BSing me, aren't you? Yeah, hold on. That's, like, that, that, that's where that's going to go. Yeah, it's Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and uh, we'll be right back after a quick word from Buffalo Wild Wings. 
Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, back to Dawson Files here on Baxter News Radio Network. You can listen to this show anytime, uh, uh, every day, Eastern Standard Time, 11 a.m., 4 p.m. All you got to do is go to thebachelornews.airtime.pro, and you can listen to the show. If you got any comments, uh, you can. my Twitter site is now open at Donaldson Files. So if you're on Twitter, you can right now. Ask me a question, and who knows, I might even give you an answer or let one of our guests answer. Or if you just want to just simply write in and say, Tom, you and your guests are the four brightest people I've ever seen because we now have – because now from South Carolina, we got the swamp girl. Pam, how's it going? Hey, Tom, how's it going, y'all? Merry Christmas, y'all. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year coming, yep. Happy yeah. New Year. Well, okay, Pam, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, what big two, 2021, what's an event that that pops in your mind when you say identifies this year? That identifies this year? Or just, okay, just think of an event <laughs> that, that, that caught your fancy. How's that? you got to ask better questions, Tom. How many? I know. Uh, well, there's losing teams. There's there's losing teams in elections. Um, a president farting. Um, that pretty much says it all, probably. So. All right. Um, yeah, uh, that that pretty much. I think that one there kind of tops everything for 2021. Is, well, that guy uh, sums it all up. Yeah. The uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that 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 would you know, that kind of lays on the line there. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's not I, much I, more. I that, was, that yeah. <laughs> that guy sums it all up. <laughs> well, okay. Here's the uh, now you make a good point. Well, you know, because here's the problem you run into. Eventually, you have to have some expertise in the world where you can sit back and say, okay, you know. Yeah, some expertise and uh, somebody you can trust. And if you get to a point where the institutions themselves are no longer trustworthy, and we're not even seeing this with the military, the military, which was one of the most well-respected, you're now seeing doubts put in to that where you've got generals who are more concerned about, you know, being woke or, as I say, being social warriors than actually being warriors. And the question is, once you start getting, and the question is, these are institutions that you look at and just say to yourself, you know, if we lose total trust or they have done enough to destroy those credibility of those institutions, where do we turn? Well, you got the Catholic Church and the the Boy Scouts, and I mean, you've got a lot of, a lot of bad actors, bad things have been happening in in the institutional yeah. world. 
Yeah, well, the Boy Scouts aren't even the Boy Scouts anymore. I mean, it's sort of a right-wing talking point, but it's also true to the point where the Girl Scouts are thinking about suing them. I mean, so I think just – I'll try to make this as briefly as possible because I'm prone to ramble, but, I mean, there really are three things going on. Like, one is the potential loss of competence when you add up the affirmative action and the legacy effect. I I think that has to be real to some extent. It's counterbalanced a little bit by elite immigration. The second is just the perception – of decreased performance. And I I think that comes with social media and that comes with 24 hour regular media where every failure, if you're in a position of power is caught by someone like where we now know who LeBron James's overseas sponsors are. Like Babe Ruth had a bunch of problems too, but no one was aware of them. You know, and this is actually a famous quote from Will Smith, who's, you know, leagues to the left of me, but was right on this. He said, you know, there aren't more whites and blacks or more cops and citizens fighting in the streets these days than there were in 1950. That's insane. There are more cameras on phones. So I think you have a a certain decrease in performance. And then you have a massive decrease in trust because we're always seeing negatives from the media. And then I do think, third, you have that organized activist block that's attempting to push certain specific ideologies. The, the equivalent on the right, the old Christian coalition, and so on, is significantly weakened. But you, you certainly have the NHJs and so on going at major institutions like the military, which, again, gets back to point one. Will that affect how well they do? But all those things combined, and most citizens are only vaguely aware of them as sort of one coordinated thing, but that really affects trust. People are cynical. They're angry. and They don't really know why. And every poll finds this is all you guys know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, here's the point. I mean, because this is what bothers me. This is what scares me in this sense. It's like when you know, I'll take an example. You know, the, the coronavirus is where you literally saw scientists go out of their way not to engage other scientists because we didn't yeah. have that give or take. We didn't have, let's say, uh, you know, Martin Kordoff, you know. Going toe to toe scientifically with Tony Fauci and said, "Boy, you know we need to be looking at this, this, and this." Uh, we basically saw a scientist saying, "I want to protect my perch," and it and to me, you know, you, you know, to me, Tony Fauci has done as much damage to the credibility of science as any one person could possibly have done. I mean, and I don't care. You can have an army of anti-vaxxers out there. But this guy has done more than enough damage that even they could never accomplish in a lifetime. You know, I, I kind of look at this like when Robert Kennedy, who's a noted anti-faxer, not just for this vaccine but everything, is starting to be more well-respected than a Tony Fauci. We got problems with society where, you know, and I and this is to me what bothers me is that, you know, when the institutions start collapsing. How, you know, it's going to be very difficult for society itself to collapse when their leadership class starts imploding in this fashion. You know, it's going to be difficult to pick up the pieces because eventually another leadership class replaces it. And who knows what that replacement is going to be. Dr. Larry, your thoughts. Well, I don't think it's a question of when. I think I think we're already there. And I think that I think that Will's um, uh, idea about the uh, exposure of all of the uh, warts that we uh, have in in our various uh, institutions and the people that run them 
uh, is uh, vastly increased, and it's certainly not uh, it's not uh, aimed at increasing uh, our confidence in in our in our elders or our wise men or wise women or whoever. <clears throat> so I think we have the feeling. A lot of people have the feeling that they're on their own, and, <clears throat> and that's a pretty daunting position, particularly when you uh, when you get married and you have children and you start realizing that you're going to have to be responsible for what they're what they're uh, doing, and then you 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 give it to you give them to the to the school, and then you find out the school is all screwed up, and and uh, then you take them to church, and then you find out there's problems there. And I mean, it's 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 really a very confusing world that we're that we're facing now. But the other side of it is there are a whole lot of good people in this world, and you know I'm I've had the experience recently of being uh, having some. Uh, some uh, kind of crippling and uh, uh, problems with uh, with with walking. I have to use a cane now, and it's just amazing to me how how uh, solicitous and kind so many strangers are to mm-hmm. somebody that's a little bit uh, you know a little bit uh, uh, crippled, and and it's I I think that there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good in the world that that we just we have to we have to realize that it's there and we have to look for it and i think a very good example of that is uh, the uh the, the uh late john madden you know i i've uh, we i was one of his great fans and i think that he is a he was an example of uh, maybe a larger than life example of of ordinary people that uh that uh, really, really uh, mean a lot, and and that can be and are very kind. But boy, I tell you, you have to look for them, and you have to realize they're there before you even start looking. Okay, uh, okay, uh, Sam, you you got any additional yeah. thoughts? Well, <clears throat> part of this is to me is like P.T. Barnum's flea circus. I told you that before, where, you know, people want to believe what they want to believe. As far as the kindness, I believe that the pendulum will swing eventually. Unfortunately, when it does, usually you go to the extreme from one end to the extreme on the other end, and then you find a balance in the middle. So I, I have a faith in that. As far as people being kind, I believe I believe there are a lot of lot of kind people, people out there, and people will help you, and neighbors will come help you, and things like that. I just think people are too busy right now surviving, and they don't have time for this foolishness, as my grandma would say. If you focus on the foolishness, then you will bring it into your house. Um, But when we were taught, we were taught a a little bit of common sense. Um, So if you you look at numbers and things, look at the common sense. The people that are raising cane the most are usually the lower numbers. You know, when you're talking transgender and things like that, statistically, they're the lower numbers, yet they're going to raise cane about something. Um, when you talk about the military being woke and stuff, I think the pendulum will swing as soon as we get in a good fight. Um, uh, those, those, you know, I have faith that we, that we will come through. Um, as far as the COVID, it's all about the money. 
Um, and it always has been about the money. And people talk where money, that's, that's why they, nowadays all you see is, my father, my 87-year-old father last night, you know, they do the COVID deaths before the news all, every night. And he was like, <clears throat> 87 million, 87,000 people? He said, well, that, that should loosen up enough for some of these illegal immigrants to, to you know, he was like, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, are you going to fix the immigration problem or are you going to fix COVID? Which one are you going after? They talk about the testing for COVID. He looked over me. He said, why are you going to be, why has everybody got to be tested? What is this testing about? What, they're not fixing anything. They're paying for testing. But who's securing? Yeah. You know, you pay yeah. out the, the rear end for, for cancer screenings, but, but but who's fixing the cancer? You know, why, why is our money not going to the cure rather than do you got it or not? Yeah. Does that make sense? Right, but, I'm sorry. Yeah. I went off. You asked me. <laughs> yeah, and bacon yeah, has it, not it, gotten any cheaper. <laughs> well, which brings us back to one more story that you brought up a little bit earlier, Doctor Larry. Bacon prices have not gone down, and they have been increasing upwards. Cut, and cut, uh, cut. which brings us to yeah, I, I tell you what it is I, I, I'm. I'm kind of in this way. We've had some of the great grain experiments in so many ways, you know, on, on the crime issue. We found out if you tell police officers, don't go in a high crime area, we're going to cut your budget, we're going to define a good portion of what it is you do, crime goes up. Uh, when you restrict economic activity, people get thrown out of work. Uh, if you restrict energy production, energy prices go up. It's almost as if and maybe there's a part of me that says, and maybe there's this part of me that would like to think that common sense eventually ruled because we were looking at these grand experiments. And we're seeing in 2021, we've seen the results, crime going up. Uh, we see that the states that had the least economic restrictions and lockdowns, and, and by the way, this is a study done by myself, and Wilfer Riley has validated all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. With about three to seven, yeah, we, those states that restricted economic activities have higher unemployment almost consistently. So it's like common sense. If you flood the market with money and you don't increase the productivity to get more products produced to slosh up that money, you you get inflation. It's almost as if we might just figure out. You know, these are some common rules that seem to work. Police in high, you know, high crime area tend to reduce crime. Uh, and I'll, your thoughts, and I'll start with you because we're got we're running out of time. But I'll start with you, uh, Will. Yeah. So I mean, I I think that to some extent, one of the things that one of the things that can get people back from the level of distrust we're at right now is leaders saying common sense things. One of the things that's caused a lot of the distrust in society actually is sort of the fringe kind of radical social justice movement. I think we'd probably all agree. So you have these arguments like crime is caused by underlying social factors. So if you remove the police, you might get less crime. Um, Obviously in reality, we've just seen when that happens, there's more crime. 
We've just seen if you print a ton of money, you get inflation. And I, in one sense, I think that creates an opportunity for those that are willing to say basic common sense things. And COVID-19 may actually be the best example of this. I mean, what the quote-unquote experts are now starting to say, this is terrible, protect your seniors, but this is probably an endemic disease, it's not that dangerous, and masks don't do that much. That's what a lot of good-hearted, common-sense people have been saying for a year now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, uh, Dr. Larry, your turn. Well, I don't know what to add to that. Um, I, I think we're in a very uh, transient and and a very uh, confused society right now, and we're getting, and I don't think that that the uh, politicians are helping. Um, on the other hand, uh, we also have a, a great deal of sort of pent-up um, ability and, and, and reserves of uh, goodwill and kindness. It kind of comes up, kind of comes out in this in the Christ, Christmas season. You see, uh, you see a lot of good, uh, you know, uh, charitable and 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 uh, caring kinds of uh, behavior and and events. Um, that that is, we we've got to have we've got to be convinced that that is ultimately our real self, and that that really is going to uh, is going to carry the day. But it's not going to be without without a considerable amount of uh, pain and and uh, confusion on our on our part. But you know this this republic has lasted in spite of all of the the uh, waves of history against it for uh, over 200 years now, and we've had some really really bad things that have happened, including a civil war. Uh, and we've come through it, so I think we can come through this. But boy, it's not going to be easy, and and uh, there may be some more suffering, especially if uh, yeah. these idiots in Washington get us into a war. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I will give uh, before I give Pam your last word. I just want you to know that I got a text from uh, my brother in Greenville, South Carolina, who, by the way, graduated from the University of South Carolina Med School, and Iowa State's playing Clemson, and he basically says, go Iowa State. (laughs) Or as he says, I am for anyone playing against Clemson. Uh, So, Pam, I'll let you uh, summarize that point. Uh, Here we are at the end of 2021. (laughs) <laughs> everybody in the neighborhood, everybody is pulling for Iowa State for one. You know, uh, there is not a single person I know that is not. Even my cousin in Florida is pulling for Iowa tonight, and she works at the University of Florida. She's a hoop. Um, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, and it boils down to as simplistic as that. If you can maintain your own household, I think we have hope. I pray. I mean, yeah. my my byline right. on, on Twitter is while I breathe, I hope. You know. So yeah. I can't give well, up on that. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to conclude. First of all, I want to thank you, Professor Riley. Uh, real quick, you got uh, um, you are the author of the book Taboo: Ten Things uh, Not to Talk. Uh, we 
you know, the book Taboo and the hate, uh, hate crime hoax, which uh, uh, did you get any additional uh, revenues on that from uh, the the Smollett issue in Chicago? All right, and uh, okay, Dr. Larry, who's going to be joining me on the Resistance Hour in a couple of mi- in about a couple of minutes. Uh, we and uh, I'm going to end the show saying thank you, Swamp Girls, mm-hmm. Professor Riley, Dr. Larry. Uh, stay tuned because we got a great guest, uh, Kenneth Ween, uh, who, like uh, Dr. Larry, has got a resume about as long as War and Peace. Uh, so this is the Donaldson file saying good night. Night, y'all. Good night.
to me a lot of the time exactly whether the enemy was in Moscow or in Washington some of the time. Um, but but anyway, so it took me right back there, Larry. <laughs> but but I, I'm gonna I'm also gonna talk a little bit from my perspective as one of the editors of a magazine called Ramshell. And that's spelled R-A-M-C-I-E-L, and it's online, and it is <clears throat> directed to the people of South Sudan, both those living there, those who can access such things, and the South Sudanese who are in diaspora, living here in the U.S., Canada, <clears throat> England, Australia, all around the world. And uh, finally, I'll probably try and talk a little bit as a shrink. And I'll, I'll, I'll keep from talking too much as a novelist. I'm just going to give myself a plug here and there and tell people they should look for me on Amazon, or look for me at my website, and I'll spell my name well, once. It's W-E-E-N-E. Okay. Well, well <laughs> so, don't, that's a good you know, start. Don't, yeah, like I said, <laughs> don't be shy about promoting yourself because – we all are published authors, and we're going to, and we do take the opportunity to publish to talk about ourselves as well. So feel free to do so. Very uh, cool. Okay, but so you want to so, know my thoughts on Joe Biden? Huh? Yes, um, we would like to know. I I mm -hmm. was telling uh, Tom that uh, it it occurs to me that there are there are many <clears throat> intelligent Democrats um, left in uh, in this world, and and they are seeing the same things that we are seeing, and they must be, uh, and they're still uh, they're still uh, loyal to the to the party, uh, presumably, and uh, they must have a different way of looking at things, and that's what we want to hear. I, I'm sorry to the party. Are we talking about the Communist Party? I mean, what party are you talking about? Well, okay. How do you how do you assess the uh, the administration? Oh, okay. Um, bits and pieces. I think it's done some good things. I think it's done some foolish things. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's a, a piece of bits and starts. Uh, I think that it is <clears throat> probably. The thing that bothers me the most about it is that I don't know that it has a clear vision. On the other hand, at least it doesn't have a vision that I object to. <laughs> so, but you know, I, I think I think one of the things that we have to get very clear here is, you know, I, I made it a point of saying I'm a broody New Englander, and um, if you if you know what that means, one of In the Arizona. things that well, yeah, now I live in Arizona. But if you know what that means, one of the things it means is, you know, when I was a kid growing up in Maine, you know, the one thing about Democrats I remember people saying, hell, we got hunting season on them rascals all, see, all year round. I mean, you know, yeah. you, 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 you know, I'm a, I'm a Margaret Chase Smith Republican uh Kind of an Eisenhower Republican, but I like Maggie Smith better. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, yeah, that, that, so when you, if you're looking mean? for a, 
if you're well, looking for a, an intense Democrat, <laughs> you're looking in the wrong place. What is a, what does a Margaret Smith Republican mean? What does that mean? Well, I think the things that one of the things we believed in was in uh, community-based action that that uh, more emphasis on <clears throat> life in the community. Of course, in those days. It was a much more rural America. Uh, we were very strongly for small business, but in those days, small businesses were in S-corps, uh, multi-billion dollar S-corps. They were really small businesses. It was, uh, we believed strongly in uh, the rights of people uh, and it was a very it was a very troubling area for for a lot of us because we believed in civil rights, but we also believed in the right of people to not have to accept everything, you know, not have to accept everybody. It was kind of it's a very difficult thing. But one thing about Maggie Smith, Jay Smith, was that uh, I don't think that woman knew what prejudice was. It just was not in her heart. And uh, so that was one of the things. And, of course, uh, uh, Dwight Eisenhower was another man who had grown beyond uh, the the racism of his time. So that was one of the big things for a lot of us was that we felt it was time to give up racism. And even though Ed Brooke, who became a senator from Massachusetts, did have some issues in his past, we took great pride in the fact that we had a, a black senator representing. I also came from, I voted in Massachusetts. I mean, um, so these were things that we concerned ourselves with a lot. Um, <clears throat> you know, we were just coming out of the wonderful post-war era in which uh, Eisenhower was pushing infrastructure and recognize that infrastructure uh, and supporting common people through GI Bill so that they could buy homes, get educations, and things like that, that these were positive things. I, I, I would have stayed a Republican until Ronald Reagan came along, and I think he I, – I mean, I could tolerate, I could tolerate Nixon. I mean, Nixon was Nixon was self-serving and dishonest, but at least you know he he didn't particularly miss the point. Ronald Reagan was a disaster, and that was the point where I I couldn't go anymore. But even as I was telling you the other day, you know, if if Jeff Flake, the conservative from Arizona, would have run for president, I could very well vote for him. I think he's fabulous. Uh, another guy I like a lot is Mitt Romney. <laughs> so I don't know what party you, you know, one of the things that really bothers me is people get come along, they say this party or that party rather than this quality of character. You know, I think, I mean, I don't want anything to do with Donald Trump because I lived in New York for a long time. And I know what he was engaged in. And anybody who lived in New York and knows what he was engaged in doesn't want anything to do with him. I'll tell you one thing is 
if, if Donald Trump called me up to talk on his radio show, you know, and even though I don't charge you, you know, obviously I'm not this for free, but if Trump, I'd say to him, first pay me. And, and I wanted to clear my bank, you know, as far as I'm concerned. I'd rather do business with a Nigerian princess than with Donald Trump. Now, Joe Biden, he's, he's probably honest enough. Is he a good president? Nah, yeah. Yeah, he's not going to go down as a great president, no. Is he going to, you know, he's not consistent enough. He doesn't have a real vision, and I think that, of course, he has absolutely no uh, real control in the party. Uh, I don't, I see him as a one-term president. I, I, personally, I think he's too old now. Um, you know, I would have preferred somebody else. <clears throat> well, hold that yeah. thought. You're listening to the Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Confessions of a Potentially Perfect Parent, brought to you by AdoptUsKids.org. I might look like an adult, like a person who could possibly be a parent, but I have no idea how to talk like one. And everyone knows that if you want to be a parent, you have to sound good when you say things like, Don't make me turn this car around, or Because I said so, or Don't make me come back there. I don't even really know what those things mean. But I know that I actually believed my parents when they said them to me. How did they manage to sound so convincing? Here we go. Don't make me come back there. Oh, no, that's not tough enough at all. Kids can sense weakness. Don't make me come back there. Ooh, yeah, that's better. In fact, that kind of sounded like my dad. Weird. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to listen to you practice your dad voice. Call 1-888-200-4005 or visit AdoptUsKids.org for more information. This message brought to you by the U.S. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. You're listening to the, re- <coughs> the re- <coughs> excuse me the Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and we're talking to Dr. Ken Ween. And uh, Tom, have you got some uh, questions that you would like to get clarified by our uh, guest? Why well, not? Here's a, it's an interesting conversation. I, I'm, you know. I'm, you know, I, I will disagree with you on Reagan's place in history, but I'm not going to get into that. But I am going to kind of follow up on some of the things you talk about, you know, because I do remember Senator Smith. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, I, and I remember, and I know what you're saying, because she was, you know, she was, I would view her as a, you know, she was a liberal Republican, slightly left or center, but she was part of a, different generation where there was where literally if you sat back and there were literally things that a lot of those americans agreed with you know in a way she's my dad's generation you know well i'm your uh, dad's generation then too i guess (laughs) what well it depends how old are you <laughs> you know, I'm not as old as Larry, but I, I'm. It's that my values go yeah, back well, there. I, I, yeah, I held yeah, on to well, them. <laughs> well, 
Yeah, I know. You're like I say, I'm you know, like I say, I'm the the I'm what I, I call myself I'm at the tail end of the baby boomers. That's where I'm at. I'm at the tail end of the baby boomers. Uh you guys are but, at you the know, beginning it, of the baby it, but in New England, but in New England, you know, we still have. Yeah. I mean, you're calling them liberal. I mean, I, I like like this Governor Baker up in Massachusetts. Yeah, he, sure. he's a darn good guy, and you know, Mitt Romney brought in Romney here in Massachusetts. So we're not talking about you know there there yeah. is something that has split the Republican Party apart, and well, um, I think that's a shame because I think there's a lot of the stuff that the Republicans have stood for over the years that are really, really good things. But I think we yeah, should well, be talking here's what, about... Yeah, here's the thing. I'm going to disagree yeah. with you in, in, in this sense. It's not just because everybody talks about you know, the, the Republican Party side. The Democratic Party side, to me, has evolved totally away from some of the points you've made in some of your writings. I mean, this is a party essentially that's become... The party of the quote-unquote intention, as you say, the intelligentsia. This is the party that has moved away from that, you know, blue-collar type of party that it was, let's say, you know, you know just you know, maybe 20 years ago. It oh, basically absolutely! A, in a lot of ways, I mean, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I agree is, with you. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a it, it's a party of socialism in a way. It is the socialist no, party of America. No, 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 I don't. no, no. You don't. You're, now you now you're talking bull. The, the Democratic no, Party not, no. made a terrible yeah. mistake in, yeah. when they didn't understand the economics of yeah. the uh, North American trade. Agreement, the you know, um, and what it would mean for the union working class, working guy and woman yeah. of America, and that became that has been the real downfall of the Democrats is that they moved away <clears throat> from their working class roots. I, I could not agree with you more about that part, but it's not because they've moved in the direction of socialism. They bought well, in I, totally I to an economic no, model. No, their economic <laughs> model today is no I mean, I mean look at I mean Alexander Cortez is closer to the leadership. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Are you supposed to me that she represents the Democratic Party? I'm oh, going to say on. she represents more of it to that, just as you mentioned with Bernie Sanders. Sanders is the same way. These are self-evaled socialists. These are not what no, uh, he was 20 years ago. Yeah. He, I mean, Bernie Sanders yeah. and, and Orta, they are yeah. certainly on the left edge of, they are on the left yeah. edge of the Democratic Party. But we get people on the right edge of the Republican Party. I don't think that either extreme represents the party. Now, if you want to talk well, about a, the economic yeah. theory that is behind, behind the Democratic Party, it isn't socialism. <laughs> Sorry. It is, is very it? much in keep. It's very much in keeping with the Eisenhower policies. If you look at back no. during the Eisenhower years, a lot of the same things what? were going on. We were just calling them different things. Instead of saying we're going to forgive, instead of saying we're going to forgive student loans, we gave people money to go to school, 
and we called it because they had served. Well, you know, I think every, that we should have just evolved that into free college tuition the way every other developed country is doing. We, uh, then there is health care. Okay, Democrats, the Democrats, really one of the areas that they have run afoul of the working class is that the working class Americans buy into the idea that because they have health care through their union and through their job, that they didn't need national health care. Now, all the other countries <laughs> have national health care. And in some instances, it goes way beyond anything that we even imagine. In Germany, if adopt the rights of prescription for something that's over the counter, the government pays for it. Yeah. You go in, you go, your doctor says, oh, you should be taking uh, one-a-day brand vitamins. He writes you a piece of paper, you take it, to the, and the government pays for it. In, yeah. well, in let me ask countries, we, yeah, have, the, we have yeah. parental leave. Yeah. In this country, what do we have instead? What we have instead is a misplaced emphasis on militarism. We have become the armors of what we call the free world. And if you remember, when Reagan and Gorbachev met, and Reagan was going on about freedoms, and Gorbachev re responded to him, they had to drag Reagan out of the room because Reagan couldn't have a response. Because what Gorbachev said was, yes, you have freedom of religion. Okay, wonderful. But do your people have the right to go to a doctor? Do your people have the right to a home? Do your people have a right to a job? And he went on through all the list. Now, I'm not particularly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to stop you right there uh, because uh, I mean, I got to stop you right. There. I mean, this because well, the re I mean, you're confused. I mean, here's the thing. One of the things we have is the ability to move up the economic, the opportunity state, the economic. They sit back and, I mean, they would want you to say about Reagan. Starting in the 19, you know, if you look back from the stagflation of the 70s, you know, the Reaganomic side, which you would obviously don't like, led to two and a half decades of prosperity, which even the middle class and those on the underneath moved up the economic ladder. You'd be hard-pressed to find any demographics that didn't benefit, which brings me down to the point that I'm going to get to, because this is a thing that you wrote. Uh, in, you know what you wrote. He said, "As much as you may not like Trump, and, and you know, I understand your, your dislike for Trump, but he did understand in 2016 the world had changed, and he understood that those in the middle and those uh, underneath were not benefiting. He discovered it, and as you stated, Hillary Clinton basically became the, you know, she joined the intent and the intelligentsia." Or I want to use the word, or as Joe Cockton would use, you know, the new you know, feudal masters or the oligarchies. And so I, and I think, I mean, to me, there's a lot of aspects that, you know, if you, if you know, the three of us sat back down, we would have an agreement on, a certain, on some of these principles because we've had this discussion on the show. Namely, you know, how do you raise today that middle class? moving up the economic ladder. And it's not just about college education either because we got vocation, you know, 
you know, because we have, you know, because the reality is that, the, you know, there's enough ways to make a money, to make a living and be, and still not necessarily get that college degree per se. Uh, in Minnesota, one of the highest paying jobs is copper mining, which is an integral part of a good portion of what we need for electric vehicles. And yet the biggest obstacle happens to be the very you know, left wing of the very party that, you know, of the, of the democratic party. Whereas you can say people like yourself and people like, uh, my, you know, myself will say, okay, why not do those programs to benefit those people so that they can move up the economic ladder? I'll let you respond and I'll let Larry respond. You, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yes, I do. Don't tell me that crap. No. Yes, I do. No, you don't. What? Okay, for where am I wrong? Things, where am I wrong? Well, where am I wrong? For one thing, one thing is that you're saying we have this opportunity for people in the, to go move up into the middle class. We did back during the Eisenhower years, back during, yeah, but now, no. I went to college. I went to the Ivy League. I knew all those people. I know a lot of people. I've got to tell you, if you don't have money, it's getting harder and harder to get an education. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can, I'm going to get to because first of all, can you, before, no, wait a minute, wait, wait, uh, wait. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Can you hold that thought? Uh, you're listening yeah. to the Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m. I make his breakfast. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m. I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m. I shower. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m. I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m. I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, we go for a walk. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Okay, Larry, Larry I got to make a comment here because what I stated, and I'm not going to, what I stated is if you look at the 80s and the 90s as an example, and I would agree with uh, certainly we saw a great expansion of the, you know, let's say moving up the economic ladder, the post-World War II era, and the Eisenhower era. But we also saw the same thing in the Reagan eras after you had the stagflation of the 1970s. That, too, is not disputable. What I stated, and I was very clear, is we're not seeing that today. We saw it in the 80s. We saw it in the 90s. We saw it in the 50s. We saw it in the 60s where you had a, you know, and basically you did have a bipartisan set of policies. You did have, a, you know, gov- infrastructure, government-type programs, but you also had supply-side economics practiced by both Democrats and Republicans all the way up through the 90s. And you saw this move up the economic ladder was stopped in this century. Now, I would, now if you want to dispute, 
I will not disagree that we don't have what we have today. Is that today we're seeing exactly that growth, that that problem where the opportunity state has been taken away, which I stated. This is what Trump discovered, which is what uh, Hillary Clinton didn't deal with in the 2016 election, which you know you know can detailed in one of his articles. But to go from let's say the 50s to the 90s and all the way through the 90s and say this didn't happen, that's nonsense. The data is too overwhelming on that case. Well, let, and let, let's I think give, we just let, let's give he Ken just, a he, chance to respond. Uh, well, I was Tom. going to, except he hung up. He hung up. What? She hung up. He's gone. God, okay. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Well, that didn't work so well, did it? <laughs> well, maybe I was too strong. <laughs> um, oh, man. Um, okay. If you guys, I'll tell you what, if you want to have Teresa call it back. And um, well, he, um, he just texted me and said that uh, he has no patience. <laughs> um, why don't you call him oh, back? That's fine. Oh, I, that's uh, fine. I mean, that's to I me. Mean, I mean, the guy basically said I didn't know what he was talking about, and I did, and he basically misinterpreted some of the things I stated. So, yeah, I mean, well, seriously, we, you know, um, it is what it is. Yeah. Okay, well, let's, uh, I think we're going to have to continue here um, with um a little bit different approach than we expected. Um, what uh, what do you see good in um, in in what's happened in twenty twenty one? Well, I mean, the things we were talking about in the previous show this earlier. I think you're seeing a reawakening of a lot of Americans uh, dealing with its education, dealing with. Uh, you know, where parents are saying, you know what, enough is enough. I think it's the return. Hopefully we're seeing maybe that return in common sense where we're looking at uh, things, you know, where we said, yeah, this doesn't make sense. You know, things that let's say we would have, you know, nobody on this stage would have disagreed with because I stated, you know, you look at the grand experiment. You know, you look at the grand experiment we have. And somebody would have said in 2000. Let's say somebody was in the year 2000, you, you can print a limited amount of money and there'll be no inflation. We would laugh. Nobody would even take that seriously, whether you're left or right. If you sat back and said, um, put, you know, take police officers out of high crime area, uh, you're going to see, you know, you, you're going to see increased crime. Everybody would agree with that because we saw that experiment go in New York City. Uh, if we looked at if we looked at, uh, you, know, you know, if somebody said to you, economically restrict your economy, if you economically restrict your economy, whether it's a pandemic or anything else, I would say to you, you know, somebody would say, well, you're going to throw a lot of people out of work. You better be damn sure of the policy. Uh, and I think, you know, maybe if you ask the good is the good is, we're maybe looking at the failure of a leftist government solution to problems and maybe a return to 
you know, maybe his vision, of, you know, Ken's vision of a more moderate centrist Democratic Party combined with a more moderate centrist Republican Party. But, you know, he won't, I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, that's what I'm looking at. Hopefully there's that common sense that's starting to appear. You know, and when you lose an election, and if you end up losing badly in 2022, and the best thing for Democrats is to get swamped, not just get barely beat, get swamped. So somebody can sit back and look at it and say, oh, God, what did we do wrong? And I think 2021 is pointing that way. All you got to do is look at the, you know, the Virginia governor's race. Well, I, th- I think there's something to that. I think I think that we may be getting a taste of the um, big government as not the friendly uh, Samaritan that uh, is trying to help us out of our uh, various... Um, you know difficulties, um, but rather as an ominous uh, control, uh, 1984 kind of uh, force that wants to uh, that wants to dictate to us all of our uh, actions and all of our behavior, and 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 also wants to take away. A lot of the things that we uh, that we cherish as a, as a people, um, and so far, while it's dangerous, we are sort of on the edge of the precipice. We haven't fallen over yet, and I think a lot of people are starting to wake up to the idea that government does not yeah. necessarily have to be good to us. It really is uh, potentially a very uh, bad for us. And particularly when you start looking at things like like uh, the crime wave and and the uh, what's happening in the in the big cities of Los Angeles and particularly San San Francisco with the uh, daylight uh, raids of uh, uh, rioters yeah. and and thieves and um, and all these ideas that they that they kind of put forward as being so advanced uh, particularly relative to uh police and yeah. and uh rioters and so on that that really uh has this has this very dark side as well so yeah. you know well, maybe, the, maybe yeah, yeah. we are well i maybe mean we're I, I'm coming to our say, senses I mean, yeah i understand you know why king probably got upset with me a little bit but i like to say you know he did not necessarily grasp my entire thing but it comes down to it is that somewhere along the lines, you know, both political, you know, the Republican Party's problem to me is we're trying to define who we are. We're trying to be the party, you know, you know, you know call it the post-Trump era. I mean, a lot of people don't like Trump because of his personality, as much of a personality. But when you look at the policies, uh, you know, his policies were central to right. They were nothing radical about them, per se. I mean, the, you know, you talk about the Eisenhower mentality, the importance of infrastructure. Guess who else talked about infrastructure? You know, Donald Trump did. He didn't ignore that. He didn't, you know, he was not a guy that basically was going to, you know, you know, as he stated, I mean, one of the, you know, one of the aspects is that, 
he was not all that anxious to go out and let's you know rip or strip off social security but protect it for those people because many of his own supporters were dependent upon it so well, yeah yeah and, and i but, and i think you know and i think sometimes people over you know over you know do not look at the trumpian center you know the potential of trumpian center general conservatism that in fact embraces what they claim to be for but we know we're you know and that's the problem you know that's where republicans are trying to define that uh but, uh, well, I think I think the basic problem with Trump is that people um, don't people did not like his uh, yeah. good his his personality or his background or his method of uh, operating in terms of uh, uh, particularly some of his policy uh, announcements and. And and even even his uh, very obvious egotism, but uh, they overlook the fact that in spite of all of that, a lot of the things he did in his the actions were actually very very uh, uh, needed and appropriate, and uh, and that and Ken is just he's one of those people that just can't overlook. The um, the personality and 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 the background uh, and and look farther look at look look at the results and not not at the man uh, and yeah. and frankly there there are a lot of people like that I mean that's that's I I kind of I kind of picked up from what he what he did say is that. Uh, uh, what uh, what he really is he's basically a never trumper, um, and that 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 doesn't uh, for him uh, it that does not translate to saying that that means you're a pro uh, Democrat or you're a pro uh, Biden. It just means you don't you don't like Trump, and if you yeah. if you like I like Eisenhower or Nixon. Um, and you don't like Reagan, then uh, you know that we we, I, we 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 should have given him more of a chance to explain what what he really didn't like about that. But yeah, um, yeah. But well, there are a lot of people. There are a lot of people like that. Yeah. Well, I, I think I mean it's, it's the emotional side. I mean, it's you know let's say I go back to the you know the original side of you know to me the real problem we have in our you know, it, again, I, I look at it because there's a lot of Democrats that need to understand how radical their party has become. You know, you know, he made the point why right. Republicans are shifting to the right, and I'm thinking to myself, well, we're far less righteous in some ways than maybe under Trump than we would have been under. I mean, he, he talked about militarism. Well, name me the one president who didn't get us into a new war, who was trying to find a way. To pull us out of some of these wars, and maybe you know have a foreign policy based on a you know a strategic side that said, uh, you know we'll defend our national interests, but we're not going to necessarily get in the way, you know, you know become that world, you know basically take everybody else's defensive uh, 
defense in hand, but allow you know a more you know flexible foreign policy with the United States. And it was the political establishment that that undermined that. It wasn't him. And I just you know I guess that's I I, I guess my problem is that there's a point somewhere where if you don't realize how radical your party has become, then you're not going to be part of the solution. But until you do, and you are willing to do what Eric Adams did in New York, what, let's say, the Buffalo mayor did, basically say, standing up to the radicals and saying, hey, this is stupid. You know, we need law. We need law. We need order. We don't need to be driving rich people out of our city because they're paying our, you know, they're paying the taxes. Uh, that's where we're at. Yeah. Well, hold that thought. Uh, you're listening to the Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent? One in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year, one in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. You're listening, yeah, the, yeah. you're listening to the right. Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I, 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 I made my point. Uh, my point is very simple. When you say to me, this hasn't become the Socialist Party of America, I would say, well, what's – I mean, so far we've seen the destruction of – you know, you, you pointed out in the last hour. What did Joe Biden do? He basically went after the energy and restricted the ability of energy to do business, basically telling people this is where we're at. And uh, well, I can tell you uh, where so, I, what, what I've what I've come the conclusion that I I heard of uh, what I consider a very good insight into that whole question uh, recently, and that was that that. If you are um, uh, a president and, and the only source of information you have uh, that surrounds you all the time is the uh, regular media, the uh, the you know the uh, what do they call them the the uh, established media and and your yeah. own people that are that keep telling you uh, positive things all the time. And if you never hear the uh, objections that are being raised by the opposition, whether it be uh, through a, uh, a Newsmax or, or a uh, uh, you know another any any conservative uh, uh, outlet, and you you don't have much contact with anybody that doesn't agree with you. 
then you really believe all of the things that you're doing are good because that's what that's what uh, the uh, the media and your own staff and and your own all your own sources of information if you're if you're not the kind of person that says I want to go out and find out what the truth is and I don't necessarily believe everything they're telling me and I'm going to go and listen to the other people that that uh, that I think might not agree or or uh, check with uh, sources myself if you're not that kind of an inquiring mind it, it could be that you really do believe your own propaganda and yeah. and I I think that that explains a lot of of how the people in the White House can be so uh, adamant, uh, and not just there either. Uh, I'm talking about perhaps beyond that is maybe less less uh, uh, forgiving if you're uh, Nancy Pelosi or or a Schumer, but nevertheless, um, that that it, it may be if you, if all you ever listen to are people that are congratulating you on congratulating the administration on what it's doing you know maybe you think everything is going well that's the only way i can explain it yeah because otherwise well, I mean, uh, like, yeah i mean here's the thing i mean it comes down to the i mean the tragedy and i and again i'm going to probably apologize to the audience because maybe i was too strong but when somebody says i don't know what i'm talking about dude you know you're, well, you're talking to a guy statement. who yeah, it is a statement, but it's like, yeah, there's a part of me, that, okay, fine. I said, well, because you know, my, my point was very simple. You know, there are things we can agree on. There are things we, you know, we did start to have this group, but there are things where you have, but you got to get the history right, too. You got to get that history right. <laughs> yeah. and, but that's that's also yeah. pretty controversial, you know. Well, well, I mean, I mean it's controversial I mean, these people, only these to the these people think yeah. that Abraham Lincoln was a racist, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, the thing comes into play is that, is that both parties have to understand. Eventually, there's a center to where the Americans want to be. You want to put yourself right of center, but there's that political center that's there. Now, most people, you know, how should I put it? Most people want to be agreeable. Most people don't – I think if you ask the average person, they don't like as much conflict. You made the point. You know, they, you know, they view themselves good. You, you, you made the point in the first hour where, you know, you've had people help you, uh, you, know, and, you, know, with, you know, help you out out of the goodness of their heart, and those people exist. And I think for the most part, most Americans just want to be able to get along with each other. And uh, – and I think there's, you know, there's an element of truth in that, and there's an element where, you know, we have to look at, okay, what kind of society do we want to be? Uh, well, yeah, but most people don't think of, think of it as a society. They they think of it as themselves. What kind of person do I want to be? Uh, but even more more likely. What what do I want other people to be like? You know, it's uh, yeah. it takes a pretty strong uh, ego to be able to do a a, a truly yeah. uh, honest examination of yourself, and and that's probably more a matter of uh, certain uh, 
traumatic instance than it is a, a daily uh, a daily thing. Uh, so what you what you're really looking at is your, your own your own welfare, uh, your safety, and when you start looking yeah. at the way that this these crimes are this violence is spreading even to the to the suburbs now and uh you got all these crazies running around shooting people and uh running cars into parades and and things like that you know and people get they start getting pretty edgy and they start saying wait a minute what's going on here and you know how do we, and then eventually they're going to say well how do we change that and uh and I, th- I hope we can come to that level of uh, realization uh, that we have to change, uh, and mainly they're going to want to change leadership in, in a democracy. That's the main way you do it. But if yeah. we don't, we could we could end up in a war. That that's what I'm afraid yeah. of. Well, I, I agree with me. That's the be that I agree with because I think we're at that point. Where we may, uh, you know, we're at that point where a mistake could end up exactly that, and I agree. I mean, it's uh, well, the Chinese. The Chinese are are really threatening Taiwan. You know, they keep they're running yeah. their their jets and their and their ships into uh, into Taiwanese space, and and they're buzzing their their uh, planes and. I mean, they may just conclude that they've got they've got uh, Trump, the uh, the American president's uh, number, and he's not going to do anything, and they're going to go ahead and take over like they did in Hong Kong. And it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't have to take very long. I mean, they, if if they come in, if they come in with those rockets from outer space, that the whole thing could be over in half in 24 hours, and that's basically what the Japanese tried to do in Pearl Harbor. And the fact yeah. that they didn't knock out the, the American Navy completely is probably the only reason that we were eventually able to get enough time to rally and win the war. But yeah. that's that that mentality is still. Is still available, and, and and it could very well be that that there's a miscalculation, and then of course, what would what would happen? Well, you know, we would either have to accept it, or we'd have to go to war about it. And where is the war? Is halfway around the world, uh, you know, and and we would be outgunned probably. So. Just really, uh, it's a it's a scary, well, the, the, the question scary comes, scenario. The question comes up, it's a because two things are either they're going to succeed and we do nothing, which, or Biden will, you know, the people around Biden will feel obligated to do something. In which case is the miscalculations, and I think that that's a serious threat. It's the same thing with the Ukraine and Russia. You know, yeah. You know, the question is going to be. If Putin miscalculates, that we do nothing. Even though I would say there's a much stronger chance we'll do nothing if he walks into Ukraine than if China goes into Taiwan. Because yeah. so, for, you know, but but, well, uh, but there's that miscalculation. You know, if, if somebody says oh, we better do something, 
as an obligation. That's how you become because if they if Putin thinks that Biden will do nothing and he miscalculates, there's your war. And there's nothing at this point that would indicate that if I'm Putin, I'm going to not I'm going to face any opposition. Well, then, 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 then there is the other option, and that is we would do nothing, like like Obama did nothing when Crimea was taken over, and it could be that that we would do nothing, and even though there would be a lot of people on the, Amer- the American side that would be saying we we have to respond uh, militarily, they might just decide not that they're not going to do it, and then what? You know, then then you've got China basically running, I mean, where are they going to go next? The Philippines? Probably. Uh, no. You know, I mean, it's just, and, and Australia, and they've already threatened New Zealand. Uh, it's yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's uh, who knows? I mean, it's it's just not, yeah. well, it's, it's not the position we I mean, want to be in. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing that comes to play, goes back down to it, is that this didn't happen with the previous administration. No, because they were afraid of us. Yeah, they understood that Trump, they viewed Trump as unpredictable enough to do something. Or they understood something would be done. There would be a price to pay. I mean, you got to remember, okay, Putin, for, I mean, we gave the Ukraine defensive weapons under the Trump administration. Putin understood that. Okay, this, you know, the possibility exists if I go any further. China understood where Trump was coming from, uh, you, know, you know, coming from. And I think there is the carrot in the stick. People at least had an understanding that for whatever Trump's bluster is, some of that bluster was not bluffing. Uh, well, they, they, they definitely believed that he wasn't bluffing, and he wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I believed it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think here's a little story. I mean, there are two stories to think about. And when Trump, now again, Trump was not a big fan of sticking around in Syria. He wanted to figure, you know, you know, he had, we, you know, basically we had like 2,000 troops there. For we, and he was, you know, he was trying to figure, do we need to be caught in that quiet bar? But what people need to understand, uh, we actually had a conflict with the Russians. The Russians had mercenaries, and those mercenaries ran up against some of our Marines, and they got clopped. They got slaughtered. And I got a feeling that Putin understood, you know, understood very clearly. Now again, there were quote unquote mercenaries working, mercenaries. They were not quote unquote Russian troops, but the message was still the same. Come across, you know, the same. If you confront me directly, this is what's going to happen. And uh, the Iranian general that got killed, Uh, you know, you know, he, you know, that was a message again saying, okay, you know, there are certain things we're going to tolerate, but your leadership in Iran, the Iranian leadership understood they were no longer invulnerable to anything he could do. Well, you know, that's uh I mean, we, we, we can, there are a lot of things that, that we could do. And, um, yeah. uh, 
if you, I don't know if you listened to uh, Larry Kudlow, but he uh, he had uh, O'Brien on there, and who is a former, uh, you know, the former yeah. uh, what what do they call that? Uh, well, anyway, he was Na- he was in charge. He was a national was security advisor. National security yeah, advisor, was, yeah. And yeah. and he came out with a list of about ten things that that we could have that we could do that would not you know, involve uh, military uh, response, but would be very, very harmful to to the uh, Chinese. And, of course, most of it had to do with trade. And uh, and that, and then, uh, but, you know, it takes, it takes, and, well, first of all, it takes intent, but it also takes talent. And and uh, capability to be able to 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 deal in that world, and, and it seems to me that uh, that our uh, Secretary of State, uh, particularly, you know, I was talking about Winken, Blinken, and Nod. Uh, he, I don't. It, it seems to me that he and John Kerry are they're they're off in the moon someplace, uh, and and. And and those are the guys that are around uh, the president, and they're telling him what they think, and and he is weak enough to accept it without probably without question. And those guys are not very, they're not very reliable, and they're certainly not very insightful, as we've already seen by the by the uh, their main PPS de de resistance which was uh, the uh, former uh, agreement that they got with Iran, which Trump uh, had to negate, and which now they can't even get back because uh, the the, uh, Iranians are not, they're they're just not uh, even interested. They're, They're practically, they're within about a month by some estimates of being able to produce a nuclear bomb. Which is not the ten years that uh Kerry was talking about uh when uh, he did the Obamas thing. So anyway we're we're getting close to being out of out of uh twenty uh twenty twenty one here. Um uh, so yeah. maybe maybe uh we ought to start thinking about um what our final our final sentiments uh, are uh, relative to 2021, and you go first. Well, to me, the going into 2022 is this is the opportunity for Americans to come back to common to tell the you know common sense. If nothing else, common sense. Let's return to some common sense, and that will be my my conclusion. Well, my my final uh, sentiment is uh, I'm I'm glad to see 21 2021 go. I'm glad it's over. <laughs> yeah. it was a uh, it's been a traumatic year for all of us, uh, both uh, politically and and in my case personally, um, and I think that uh, it, uh, 2022 has got to be better. And uh, I, I, I hope that enough Americans have learned their lessons that the uh, Virginia governor 
uh, election that we just had in November is uh, truly uh, the uh, foresight of the future and that uh, a year from now or a year from last November uh, that uh, the the entire climate gets uh, changed to the right, no matter what uh, Eisenhower says. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Tom, it's been a been a good year, and I'm glad. I appreciate your uh, working with us, and and I think that uh, together we've uh, we've we've uh, created a a, a, a good uh, a good program, and and uh, and I think that. Uh, there's been a lot of um, a lot of mutual respect that's uh, and affection that's uh, taken place. So I want to thank you for your help this year, and uh, let's uh, let's see what we can do next year. <laughs>